Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we've got a lot to dig into today. Um, Where to start? So, uh, first of all, it felt like we were due for bad news, right? You know, things are going really well. Buffs go on the win streak. Sure, they dropped the game to Arizona State, whatever. Um, But they wind up waning against Arizona. Like, things are going well. Things are going really well. And so it does feel like... It was time for uh, something bad to happen, and it sure did. Uh, yesterday, we learned from CU that uh, Vic Soto was leaving Colorado uh, to uh, go back to California and be closer to his family. Said there was four family reasons, and I just want to read this to you. So here's the press release. University of Colorado defensive line coach Vic Soto informed CU head coach Carl Durrell on Monday that he has decided to return to his home state of California and take a coaching position there for family reasons. Um, Here's a quote from Carl. It's disappointing we're losing Vic after just two months, but this is purely family related. He has five young children and with most of both sides of his family living in California, they can use the additional support. So we understand why he wants to take advantage of an opportunity to move back and closer to them. Um, noted that the Sotos have three sons and two daughters. Um, so there you go. There's one more paragraph basically explaining his background and also adding, you know, the spring practice starts March 30th, spring game, April 23rd. So there's all that. Today, uh, we learn that he's going to coach the outside linebackers at Cal, which, again, isn't a huge surprise. You know, there's a line in there. Um, we understand why he wants to take advantage of an opportunity to move back and be closer to them. I'm talking about the family. Um, so there you go. That all lines up. At the same time, though, uh, 
we did hear from Vic Soto on Twitter today. And what he said doesn't quite line up with uh, that, that whole press release. So he said, I'll address this once. Oh, oh okay. Um, so this is in response to Adam Munster-Tiger, who tweeted out like the, the news, but also that quote from Carl. Um, Vic said this. I'll address this once since I now have family and close friends reaching out to check on us. Proximity to support was not on the list of reasons to leave CU. This next opportunity was purely one I couldn't pass up. I'll go anywhere to coach if the opportunity is right. Uh, so I coached across the country and I'll continue to do so. I'm thankful for Rick, Carl, and the gang and wish them nothing but the best. My decision was based on a lot of reasons and thankfully we aren't in dire need of support at this moment like the statement sounds. All love. So, uh... Whew, that's a uh, wow, <laughs> a lot to dig into, right? Um, here's all I'll say: the the frustration yesterday, like I understood, because again, every everything that that happens that that is not positive at CU, it kind of does come with the the emotional weight of the the last fifteen years or whatever, of things that have been going on. Um, you know, the, the losing, you know, the, even more recently, these transfers, going 4-8, the bad offense, and just the level of frustration, the the, the fan bases, um, just just how quickly the fan base can jump for, to kind of just worst-case scenario, to be like, oh, no, it's the end of the world, sky is falling. And again, I, I don't blame anybody for that. Like, it makes sense, because things haven't been going well. And... <laughs> like it, it totally adds up that people would have a very strong emotional response to pieces of bad news at this point at the same time though i was thinking like okay needs to go back be closer to his family it's understandable you can't really put this on like carl or what whatever people were saying um it's it's just like a tough break these are the kinds of things that happen coaches have to leave jobs sometimes at weird times and it sucks but I don't necessarily think it's a sign that CU is a failing program and that it's time to go to FCS or whatever. Like, it's it's just a, a tough break, um, but a tough break that comes um, in a 15-year string of primarily tough breaks. When this all comes out, though, it really gets you thinking. It really gets you thinking. Um, really gets you thinking. I think... Um, I ha I have a lot of questions, right? Uh, first, first of all, let's just let's just talk about what Vic said. Um, this is an opportunity he couldn't pass up, and he's going to Cal, and he's going to coach the outside linebackers. Uh, he, he's going to coach under Justin Wilcox, who you know was one of the big up and comers in the Pac-12, uh, but has had like a down year or two recently. Um, but a, a defensive mind, somebody who's well regarded, you know. Defensive coordinator at Wisconsin and USC and Washington and Tennessee. Uh, and, again, young coach who maybe the shine is worn off a little bit, but has a background where you'd be like, okay, I, you understand why Vic Suota wants to go work with him. I'm sure there's, like, other people on that staff, something like that going on. And on top of that, you wonder about the financial situation, right? 
Um, and I guess I hadn't even thought about this, but the financial situation for CU, because I, I, I let me, I'm going to Google real quick. I don't think I can find this contract quickly, um, but I'm going to check. Okay. So I'm back now. Um, just looking quickly, it seems like, so this is Brian Howell's reporting, um, but when the regents voted on contracts on February 10th, the contracts for Vic Soto and Rod Chance were still being finalized. I can't find anything newer than that, and I also can't find a uh, like a, 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 a document, like the actual contract itself, um, which makes me think that the contract was never actually finalized, which means it, it might not kick in. Um, and that, that would matter because you every contract has a different clause. And this is why I want to look in the first place. You know, a lot of them say like, oh, you're a defensive line coach. If you take a job that's a promotion, you know, you're a defensive coordinator or even a head coach, you, you are free to go take that job. But if you make a lateral move, you owe us blank. And so sometimes it'll be the remaining value of your contract or 50% of your remaining value of your contract or the next, whatever. There's so many different ways you can format it. Um, I was wondering if Colorado is going to get a, a payment because the, uh, the, the contract says that you cannot leave to be a position coach at another school, basically. I, um, again, if the contract was never finalized, and I don't know what stage it works, because I would imagine he signed a contract. You know, he's probably signed a contract. But do you need to have the regent's approval for for all of those things? I'm not so sure. Um, I'm going to try to look into that stuff, though, and see if I can figure it out. Um, because, again, there could be like a million-dollar payment. It wouldn't be that big. There, there could be a couple hundred thousand dollars the Buffs are going to get, which could go toward poaching a, a defensive line coach from another school. Um, plus, you could obviously pay him the the money that you would have paid uh, Vic Soloto. You know, if, if if somehow they do get the full value of the contract, all of a sudden they could offer double the contract um, without costing themselves any more money, and maybe that's how you're able to poach somebody uh, this late in the cycle, just like you got poached. But they would probably have that clause in their contract too. So all that stuff is complicated, but it does make me wonder whether that contract is finalized and... You know, if, if it wasn't and those things don't kick in, like, I'm not sure who the, the blame is on. Was it the regions for not getting to it fast enough? Was it, you know, Rick George for not whatever, Carl, who knows? Um, but I'm leaning toward I don't think they're going to get much um, in terms of compensation for his departure. That was a little uh, tangent there. But again, I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a rough look. Like you get how uh, Vic Vic must be must be getting more money, and again you look at Colorado and Cal. I think that maybe maybe they aren't comparable. I would have put them typically in terms of coaching jobs on a pretty similar level, um, but but maybe Cal does tick up a little bit. Maybe Justin Wilcox ticks up a little bit. Maybe there's somebody else on that staff, a defensive line coach on that staff. Who who is their defensive line coach? I'm I'm curious because I think that. That could also be uh, a factor 
for this. Um, Andrew Browning. I don't know much about him. Um, young guy. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm curious. And again, like I came into this thinking, like, ah, everything's probably fine. But it does make you wonder, like, was there something behind the scenes? And and I guess Vic Soto says there's there's no frustration with that staff or anything like that. Um, but when something like this happens, it, your your mind goes there. It's a um, it's a wild situation. It's a wild situation. Um, not a good look, though. And and it, it, again, just so many questions. So many questions. Like, what was the what was going on with this press release? Right? Like, did Carl go to whoever wrote it and say like it was family reasons? And and if he if Carl said that, like, is that because Vic actually did say that or hinted at it or something? Did did Carl say like just put it out as family reasons? That would seem less likely. That seems more like a, the PR move and not something that Carl would do. Um, it, it'd be somebody on the sports information staff saying like, oh, you know what? Um, let's just throw in there was family reasons. That'll make it look better. He's going back to California um, and just not expecting any pushback on that. Um, expecting Vic to to just either not see it or to see it and be like, ah, whatever. It's not worth talking about um you know because that that could be one way to look at it but when you see that he's going back to cal um again it makes you think like is and this is a worse look than this is a worse look than him just leaving cu for cal you know that would be a tough look in itself obviously but now you have that plus this so (laughs) i don't know just uh it's a mess it's a mess right it's a mess um, we haven't even gotten into where the buffs go from here. But again, I mean, Carl's Carl's best quality as a head coach, I think, is his ability to build a staff. And in some ways, like you just feel bad for him, right? Because he comes in late and has it's not a good situation the in the beginning of 2020 to be building your staff like whatever that was february late february and march um you, you don't get to pitch the top guys cuz the top guys have already been chosen um from there you have the pandemic which means you can't afford buyouts um as many buyouts as you'd like uh, you can't afford to offer guys contracts as much as you'd like because you just have the after effects of the the financial impacts of that pandemic um and now if you finally seem to have gotten like a, a real shot at building a staff and for the most part it went really well you know the mike sanford hire i think the the consensus is still uh, lukewarm at best but everything else I, I think you look at and you have to like um but vic soto was a big piece of that you know vic soto was maybe maybe the most exciting hire if not, he was up there toward the top. There, there were some obviously some good ones. To lose him, and now you're you're back here saying like, how do we patch this hole in March? Not where you want to be. It's not where you want to be. You know that's how you that's how you wind up with the Mitch Rodriguez is you try to find a, a guy in the trenches at this point in the season. So it's gonna be a mess. And in terms of replacements, I do think that 
having Chris Wilson on staff gives you some flexibility because he's coached the defensive line for almost his entire career. There were a couple seasons back in the 90s where he coached outside linebackers, and he decided to move over to outside linebackers so they could bring in Vic Soto, a guy who they really wanted to have on this staff. And now he's penciled in as the outside linebackers coach, but you could absolutely see him moving back to defensive line and taking over those guys so that they could hire an outside linebackers coach. Or if the best option is a defensive line coach, obviously he could stay with the outside linebackers. So you do at least have that little bit of flexibility, um, a, a very small silver lining. In terms of names, I don't have much. I think that, you know, you might... Uh, Brian Michalowski comes to, to mind very quickly uh, just because he, he was your outside linebackers coach. He was a good coach, but when you had the chance to get Vic Soto, you pounced and got Vic Soto, and you lost Michalowski because there just wasn't room for him. Um, now he – I think he's a – I can't remember if he's quality control or defensive analyst or something like that, whatever they call that job up there uh, at Oregon State, and – you know, I think that he'd be willing to come back and coach the defensive line, or, or sorry, the outside linebackers again. Again, like, kind of awkward, right? Because of how things ended, basically said like, hey, we want this guy, and then that guy said, actually, I'm going to go over here, and then you're like, hey, but, hey, second choice. So you do have that dynamic at play. I'd be surprised if there was anything deeper than that, right? Like, I'd be surprised if, like, oh, Carl and Brian, they hate each other. Like, I don't think so. But with those guys, I would be very surprised. With Brian in particular, I'd be very surprised. Um, so I think Brian Michalowski comes to mind. Um, honestly, uh, <laughs> our guy Matt McChesney. Hey, if you're looking for, for somebody who can patch that hole for a season, you could do a lot worse than a guy who has coached a bunch of uh, defensive linemen, obviously played offensive line and defensive line. Uh, he's right down the road. You could bring him in and he could do that job for a year. I think that they'll, I mean, they, they'll probably have a bigger search, see if they could find a somebody who they look at and say, this is a up and coming in the coaching profession. This is a guy who all power five schools are after like, you know, see if they could go get a, a, a really big fish. And if not, you know, you do have a decent option. Um, and, I think that that's, uh, I think that you you could look at that as the the worst case scenario, not because it'd be a terrible scenario, but because Matt McChesney, I'm sure, would take that job, you know, and and because of that, you don't have to worry about anything worse than that happening. And so I do think that the in this search, you're getting Matt McChesney or better, and I don't know who that is or what or whatever, but. You you at least have him in your back pocket uh, if you need to pull that card. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough right now. And there aren't a lot of names that are on the market um, at this point, right? I think just about anybody, you, you might even just have to poach from somewhere. I think you probably just look at these group of five schools or FCS schools even and say, who, who can we go after? Um, yeah, and there's contract details, all that sort of stuff. But the, the Buffs are in a tough position. And I think Carl caught a tough break. Somebody made a mistake saying family reasons, and that could have been Carl. You know, the quote, he does say it in the quote. Um, at the same time, I think there have been plenty of quotes put out by press releases 
uh, put uh, put out in press releases, not necessarily at CU, that uh, didn't actually come from the, the source. You know, so whether it's, uh, you know, I mean, you see it a lot in the NFL. If in the press release, John Elway says this, it's like, did John Elway really say this or did the, the press guy just, just write that? Um, so you do have to have that sort of skepticism. But the truth is Colorado attributed that quote to Carl Durrell. And if he, I mean, something, that's that's where the blame lies at the end of the day, right? <sighs> what a mess. What a mess. Um, what's not a mess is this basketball team still, though. Uh, we'll knock on wood for that. Uh, they actually have the potential to lock up a four seed for the second time since joining the Pac-12. Remember, the top four seeds get buys. So this would be the second time ever that they would pick up a buy. And it's on the table. We're going to talk about how and all that sort of stuff in just a second. DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. It's uh, it's the best one. Like you look at the reviews anywhere, you look at what people who bet actually use. There is no argument. People go to DraftKings Sportsbook, and if you want to be one of them, now is the time because for this Saturday's UFC 272 main event with Covington and Masvidal, you can bet just one dollar on anything you want, and you'll get one hundred dollars in free bets no matter what. If you wanted, you could bet a dollar on something crazy like uh, Masvidal to win by submission in round five. That's plus 17,000, which means 170 to one odds, which means if you put your $1 bet on that and it happens, you get $170 in cash. Plus, regardless of whether it happens or not, you get your $150 in free bets. Um, The rule is there's a minimum $5 deposit, but that's the only catch. So you got to put $5 in, you'll have $150 in free bets. It's a great deal. Definitely get in on that uh, because it's not the only good deal you'll get if you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. Actually, I haven't looked through I haven't looked through these odds boosts. Um Celtics win by 10 plus versus the Hawks. That's boosted a plus 155. Um Carl Towns and Steph Curry to combine for seven made threes. That's plus 140. Okay, so that's some decent stuff. Um so many boosts, so many awesome opportunities over DraftKings Sportsbook. So make sure you get in and use the promo code DNVR. Uh, must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply, minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, Escape Artists is the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado. Prioritizes quality and consistency. They've got ratios available in 1 to 1 and high ratio CBD 20 to 1. They have you covered. Uh, they only use the best materials and ingredients. And uh, they, uh, they're founded and formulated by food and pharmaceutical sciences that believe in a brand that should truly example, example, exemplify. There we go. The Colorado lifestyle of a balanced wellness routine. Uh, they also have transmucosal speed strips. It's a strip that you put in your mouth. Um, and uh, they also have escape artist infused joints, all sorts of different stuff. You can pick it up down at Colorado's premier dispensary. That's light shade with 11 
convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. That 11th one actually just opened today. They offer something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. They have a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And if you listen to this podcast, you can get 25% off non-sale items with the code DMVR. Shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. All right. Um, we can uh, stop talking about how bad of a look that all was. Um, the good news is spring ball, March 30th, 29 days away. And once that happens, we get to talk about actual football and not off-the-field drama. Don't have to ask questions like, how had Vic Soto not signed a contract? Because I'm pretty sure he had never signed a contract. But yeah. Um, basketball. This is, uh, this is where dreams come true is Colorado Buffalo's basketball. So, right now, the Buffs are in good position. They're sitting there at 11-8. and eight. That's fifth place. 9-9 um, nine and nine Washington State is behind them. They have, yeah, they have the tiebreaker all set up with Washington State, with Washington. Um, so they're they're going to be, they're going to be no worse than the five seed. Um, but they could move up into the four seed uh, if they can pass eleven and seven Oregon again. Colorado eleven and eight. They're game behind them in the loss column. So here's basically how it works: Colorado should have the tiebreaker, assuming these two teams tie. And we'll dig into that in a second because there is plenty to dig into there um but because that win over arizona odds are if colorado can finish tied with oregon then colorado will get that fourth place spot and the bye um and again the first tiebreaker is head to head head head. they both won on the road and the second tiebreaker sorry i got the hiccups there um is the best record against the the top finishing team in the conference if that's a tie, it goes to number two, then number three, and all the way down. Um, but as it stands now, Arizona should be the number one team, and that means that Colorado should have the tiebreaker, which means if Colorado loses to Utah on Saturday, then Oregon would have to lose to Washington and Washington State. Both those games are on the road. And if that happens, Colorado would move up into fourth place. If Colorado beats Utah, then Oregon could split with Washington and Washington State, and Colorado would finish fourth. Um, if uh, if Oregon wins both of their final two games, they will get that four seed, though. Here's where things get complicated. So, Arizona, like I said, should finish first. They do have the advantage here. Um, but they're sitting there at 15-2. USC is 14-4. and four. Um, I think UCLA could still technically... Yeah, UCLA could still technically uh, finish first, but if they did finish first, then Oregon and Colorado couldn't tie, which is a really confusing thing that happens. We don't need to dig too deeply into it, Um, but if Oregon and Colorado tie, UCLA cannot finish first, so we only need to worry about Arizona and USC here because remember, we're just working on the tiebreaker for Oregon and Colorado. Um it could end tonight, and that's why we're talking about this today. Uh, USC is actually hosting Arizona on ESPN tonight. Uh, this is Tuesday, by the way. I'm not sure if I've said that yet. I'm not sure what time the game tips off, but we should be all tuned into that one because it is a big game. So, again, I, I think Arizona is going to win. 
Um, that's actually a nine o'clock start here, by the way. It's a nine o'clock start in the mountain time zone. Um, but if USC wins, then that opens some doors because basically if USC wins that and then wins again in USC's final game, which is against UCLA, then, then there's one more piece here. What piece am I missing? Then if Arizona also lost in Arizona's final two games, which are against Stanford and against Cal, then USC would finish first in the conference, right? Because uh, the tie would go to UCLA, and UCLA lost to USC in this final week, um, and USC. So yes, yeah, so then USC would have the tiebreaker because they'd be better than UCLA. So there you go. Um, basically, Arizona wins the conference if they beat um, uh, USC or Stanford or Cal. And USC wins if Arizona Arizona loses all of those and USC beats UCLA. So again, everything lines up for Arizona to win, but I don't want to just throw out there that like, oh, the Buffs have the tiebreaker because they don't quite have it locked up, although they are very, very likely to get it um, at some point. Wait, did I get that right? Let me just double check this. That'd be 15. No, no, no. Arizona would have to win both of those last two, not one of those last two. There we go. I knew something was wrong. Um, So Arizona needs to either beat USC or beat Stanford and Cal uh, if USC lose UCLA it's okay. so again the <laughs> it's complicated but Arizona should be just fine although the door could come open here for USC if they're able to win tonight they at least would have a chance um, and if that's the case then Oregon would take the tiebreaker because of Actually, is I don't even know if that's necessarily official, um, because the tiebreaker would then go to USC, and Oregon beat USC twice. Oregon did beat USC twice. I'm gonna double check on that. No, no, no. USC just beat them. That's why that was such a big game. Sorry, this is chaos right now. Um, so from there, the tiebreaker goes to UCLA, and UCLA. Oregon did beat UCLA. So there we go. That's where that tiebreaker would go. No, wait. The Arizona tiebreaker would still be above the UCLA tiebreaker. Colorado lost to USC twice, but Oregon beat USC once. So yeah. So Oregon would have the tiebreaker if USC wins. There we go. Sorry. Whew, my brain hurts. I had to write through all this yesterday and... Uh, it was it. It's one of those things where it's like it's, it was like six hundred words or something, but it took the time of something that takes like two thousand words, just because it's so complicated. But basically, we are big Arizona fans. We are not USC fans, and if you follow those rules, then you're gonna be rooting for the right teams. Um, that basically wraps it up. It might be worth bringing up, like. Do you want the five seed? And I guess when it comes down to the... Here's the thing. If you get the four seed, that means that Arizona is probably the one seed. There is the world where 
Colorado wins against Utah and Oregon loses both of its last two games. Um, in which case, Oregon could wind up behind USC or UCLA. But more likely than not, Arizona is going to be number one. Um, and that means that four and five, the winner would play Arizona unless there's a massive upset. So you are on the same side of the bracket as Arizona. If Arizona falls out of first and gives that tiebreaker up, then Colorado finishes fifth and, I mean, most likely, and at least you're on the opposite side of the bracket as Arizona and on the same side of the bracket as probably USC, although there's an outside chance it's UCLA. Colorado is going to play USC probably a lot tougher than um, they will Arizona uh, just because that team is so much worse. But again, it's just not worth cheering for anything other than that by. Um, although, I mean, you could say the difference between four and five has never mattered less considering that the five seed's going to be playing Oregon State in the first round. And that's not a game that is all that scary. I mean, the extra rest is nice, I guess, but even getting that under your feet might be a, a decent thing. I mean, you shouldn't have to worry about losing to Oregon State. Uh, so, uh, there you go. Um, as it stands now, Colorado sitting in fifth place. Real chance to move up to fourth. Basically, you need Oregon to split its games against Washington and Washington State, both on the road. Um, those two teams are tied at nine and nine right now behind. They're at six and seven with Oregon at four or four and five, Oregon, Colorado. Um, and you need Colorado to beat Utah on Saturday. If that happens, you get the bye. If you don't get the bye, you've got to play Oregon State, which, yeah. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I think you could make a case that getting your feet under you in a tournament setting, especially with a young team, could be valuable. Um, and you don't want to overlook anybody, but if there's anybody to overlook, it's the 3-25 and 25 Beavers. So, it's not the end of the world. I don't think it matters all that much except to say you finish top four. And I guess maybe for NCAA tournament chances. Um, those are probably out the window unless you win the Pac-12 tournament. Um, but if... If Colorado can beat Oregon in terms of that four seed, that would strengthen their case as an at-large bid. Um, again, Colorado's sitting here at 77 in the net rankings. Say they beat Utah, that gets them up to like 72 at best. 72. I think 72 probably is actually pretty close to right. Um, that gets them up to 72. Then you go into the tournament and you've got uh, probably Oregon, either Oregon or you'd have that game against Oregon State. Um, but let's say you get the bye. You have the game against Oregon, you win that. That might get you up to like 62. Um, again, this is probably pretty optimistic. From there, you play Arizona. Say you beat Arizona. Well, that would, that would probably get you in the conversation, actually, if you were able to beat Arizona again. Um, maybe they do. Maybe they do have more of a chance than we given them credit for. You're, I mean, that, that's more of a chance to get onto the bubble. Um, but it's a chance nonetheless. And then you do have to factor in like, okay, so you're sitting there at sixty-two or whatever, um, fifty-seven, fifty-six. If if you win those games, then you lose the Pac-12 championship. 
then that knocks you back out to like 62 or 63 or something. Um, I, I guess they, if they if they win and go to the to the championship game, assuming they have to go through Arizona to get there, I think maybe they do get onto the bubble. That's obviously a huge if. You know, beating Arizona twice does not sound easy, but that's that's the way things go. I guess maybe the more likely situation. I mean, I can't even say more likely, but Arizona would be playing the winner of the. Let's see. The Stanford Arizona State game. So say Arizona State gets hot or whatever, and Arizona State beats Arizona, and then Colorado plays Arizona State, that might not boost your resume enough to then go lose in the next round if you do beat Arizona in the semifinal, or Arizona State in the semifinal. Um, so there you go. There's, there's kind of like what the scenario looks at. All of this was basically to say, cheer for Arizona tonight against USC. It'd be a, it'd be big for the Buffs if Arizona can just knock off USC, get the Buffs the tiebreaker, and if for no other reason than to be able to say, hey, you, you got the four seed. Like for the second time ever, you finished top four, and who knows? Maybe committee wants to get a fourth team in. That could be what what gives the Buffs the edge over Oregon. I think that's gonna do it for today. My head hurts, and I have to do the DMVR bet show in a couple hours, so. I need to get that fixed. Um, We'll talk soon, though, and I'll see you then.